Welcome to Coward's Fury. I'm Chris. And I'm Charles. As always, remember to share us with everyone you know. We always have more room for friends. Yep. And you know what's going to come next. Zencaster. Zencaster. We have been using Zencaster, and it is really easy to use. And they work with podcasts of all sizes. And ours has actually been growing quite a bit lately. But you can get in there, record stuff on your phone, record stuff on your computer. You don't need fancy equipment or really fancy anything. You just need you, your voice, and your ideas. And it's kind of all in one. So you should go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code CowardsFury and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences that I do for all of my podcasting and content needs because it's time to share your story. Well, what if you'd rather we share your story? Well, you can always email us and we'll be happy to give you a shout out. And if you support our Patreon, we'll go even further and we'll leave that to your imagination. Speaking of which, imagine beautiful Westport, Ireland in the 1970s, because that's where we're about to go for our next story. That's right, Chris. The year is 1976, and it's Westport, Ireland. Westport, Ireland finds itself ensnared in an icy grip of a brutal murder that would haunt the city for years to come. The victim, a young woman named Derricka, not Danica, McDaniel. Her life abruptly extinguished in her quaint apartment. Her lifeless body lay sprawled on the floor, mercilessly covered in stab wounds. And an eerie, contrasting sight greets the investigators. A half-empty pint of Guinness left behind. No prints. No lip smears. No physical evidence was left behind, indicating the perpetrator either used gloves or wiped things down thoroughly. This was no rookie killer. This was more like a person who was seasoned, someone who'd done this before. Wow. You put your ultra radio voice on. I like it. You did good. That was a fresh, like, start. We've never done it that way before. And here comes Chris with the rest. (laughs) The police were left dumbfounded. I have to tell you, she actually really wanted to jump in that entire time. It's like looking at me like, wait, I can't do this? No, no, no. I was looking at you for like anticipation. Like, when were you going to stop? Because I didn't know. And then you'd be mad if I didn't like jump right in. Like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Well, I, I wrote the first paragraph you there. You did. You actually wrote a lot of this. I'm this just time. saying. So. We, we did a little, little change up here. That's okay. <sighs> this is a Charles story. This is a Charles story. Uh, we, we did definitely collaborate on it, but this is, you did, and, and if you want to hop in and take over the narrative, you, you let me know, but I'm not as funny as you. So just for a fair warning, I'll just interject for fun. Carry on. Sweet. Carry on, Chris. So as a recap, poor Derricka McDaniel was found stabbed to death in her apartment with a half Guinness left behind and not a lot of physical evidence. So the police were left dumbfounded as they combed through the scene finding no signs of forced entry, no witnesses to come forward and shed any light on this senseless tragedy. And this wasn't just your standard serial killer, right? Well, we'll find out. We're going to get into McDaniel it. McDaniel wasn't thrown in some bushes or like thrown in some, no, some she closet. Was murdered in her own apartment. Just like, uh, this was uh, like Freddy Krueger style. I'm not sure about that, but... There's a lot of stab wounds and stuff. We'll get to that. In the midst of this confounding case, the mantle of unraveling the mystery fell on the shoulders of Detective Inspector Morgan O'Callaghan. 
<laughs> wow, that's like a great Irish name, isn't it? It's legit. Morgan O'Callaghan was a renowned investigator uh, revered for her tenacity and unwavering dedication to solving the most enigmatic of crimes. I mean... Kind of a famous lady. You could say like O'Callaghan was like, you know, for the love of the city. Boss lady. Yeah. Behind her quiet exterior lies a brilliant mind and a determination that has earned her a formidable reputation in the Westport Police Force. As she delved into the investigation, O'Callaghan immersed herself in the world of Derricka McDaniel, sifting through the fragments of her life in search of any hint, any motive that might lead her to her assailant. The detective uncovered tales of a kind and gentle woman, a heartwarming soul who seemingly had no enemies. Yet the recurring thread in the fabric of Derricka's life is her affinity for a local pub, the Shamrock. Wait, kind and gentle? Mm-hmm. Sounds like she just put him back. Well, okay. The reoccurring theme is going to a pub. I guess all Irish folk... McDaniel was a drinker. McDaniel was a drinker. She kind of sought solace in the comforting embrace of her most loved drink, Buchanan Scotch. Oh, my God. Yeah? It it must have been like um, the higher-end Buchanan's. I don't know anything about Scotch. I think the bums drink like the... I don't know if that's the best... uh, I'm not sure they call them bums anymore, but... I'm sorry. (laughs) Vagrant? I don't know, dude. I don't know. So she she did. She liked her Buchanan scotch and kind of the distant comfort of surrounding strangers and, you know, barflies, regulars. Derricka was a lonely woman. She did not have any family. Uh, That made O'Callaghan's investigation more challenging. Although Derricka seemed to have some acquaintances, she pretty much kept to herself in an almost recluse style... Derricka made her living as a freelance computer programmer, which was the perfect career choice. For... Wait, wait, wait. In 1976? Yes. So she was like compiling things with tapes. Yeah. Like COBOL? They had COBOL in the 70s. Oh, man. I'm envisioning this like... Or Fortran. I'm envisioning... this. She looked like all... I'm going to... I can't find... All... She looks like olive oil. I'm just putting it Honestly, out Honestly, yeah. I could... I Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. If y'all don't know who it is, we'll Google that shit. Mm-hmm. So, Sorry about that. I, 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 just, I just had to put that. No, like, I, I computer appreciate, programmer? Well, I don't even know if they called it that. That's sort of just what I... I thought she was a drinker. Yes and yes. Got it. Yeah. Ah, oh, I so get it. this was really... This was pre-IT. It was a programmer. Yeah, programmer. Like, think punch cards, think... Yeah. Right. But it's like the perfect thing for an overly introverted yet intelligent woman who enjoyed the bottle as much as she enjoyed, you know, coding and punching and those kinds of, because coding is what they called it. I don't think they even call it that anymore, do they? I I don't know. I don't know. Derricka, you see, as you pointed out, had a bit of a drinking problem. But that's exactly why her chosen profession was perfect for her. She could make just enough money to support herself and her habit and leave plenty of time for drinking and people watching. It Wait seemed a the it's sham- not a problem in Ireland. Yeah, I know. It's a hobby. A hobby. Well, it seemed that the Shamrock was the place she liked to do both of those things right. most frequently. So with her heart set on finding answers, O'Callaghan, so that's our detective inspector, or is it inspector detective? Hey, I think Sherlock Holmes but a lady. Right. She ventured into the Shamrock because that's where this woman always would go. Oh, yeah. So she now associated the shamrock with this victim. It was one of those places that just seems to swallow you whole into the warm, dark atmosphere that provides anonymous and lonely company. Just what you need when you're someone like Derricka. 
The place had a few patrons, a couple getting cozy in one corner, a regular sitting at the bar, two young bucks sipping some Guinness. What the? Is this like a swingers club? Two people getting cozy, two bucks? Look, using some... (laughs) I I love it. I don't even know what what to say. (laughs) I want to go to this bar. And I'm not in... I Okay. I want to check this bar out to take it all in because it seems like a lot's happening there. Agreed. Agreed. Anyway, it was a typical kind of a pub, really. So O'Callaghan scanned the room, her gaze uh, first landing on the man who was clearly a regular um, sitting at the bar. And so that's where she was going to start, you know, doing her canvassing and her questioning. Her detective's intuition guided her through conversations with the bar's patrons, her penetrating gaze never missing a detail. That was very dramatic. You wrote it, I might add. I like it. Hey, she's an intense lady. Yep. She knows what's going on. You're right. You're right. So the regular, the, the person at the bar that she was talking to, knew the victim, knew Derricka. Uh, Derricka was in the uh, place most nights, and she kind of kept to herself, except to laugh maybe at something stupid someone might say. She had a dry sense of humor, that one. Kind of funny herself, if you ask me, is what the regular told uh, O'Callaghan. Unraveling the threads of truth from the tapestry of hearsay, she finally secured an interview with the bartender, an individual entrusted with the secrets of the pub's patrons. In typical O'Callaghan fashion, she employed her art of conversation to extract information, and the bartender, succumbing to her unyielding charm and perhaps the persuasion of a few well-poured libations, you know, one for O'Callaghan, one for the barkeep, confirmed Derricka's frequent presence at the pub. Yes, she mostly kept to herself. Occasionally she got hit on, but not very often. Derricka did have a dry sense of humor, as the regular had mentioned, but not much else was really known about her. She was a loner. However, one interesting tidbit of information was gleaned by chatting with the barkeep. It wasn't beer Derricka sought. It was the amber appeal of Buchanan Scotch, as we mentioned, that quenched her thirst. Right. So So we've now mentioned McDaniel- this twice. Just drinks scotch. Yep. She doesn't drink beer. Mm-mm. Interesting. Yep. Emboldened by this new lead, O'Callaghan began to think that within the Shamrock's walls might lie the secrets that shrouded Derricka's murder. She sought out the establishment's regulars, the silent witnesses who might have observed something awry on that fateful night. O'Callaghan searches the room for just the right folks, with the help of the bartender, because, you know, now they're buddies, right? She's directed to all the regulars, giving her a better chance of getting more and more accurate information. There was but one person who stuck out a little more than all the rest in the bartender's recollection, and he was a regular. The bartender recalls a few days before the tragedy, Derricka engaged in conversation with this man. The bartender thought it a bit odd that these two would be chatty. The man, Corey, Carter, Kate, something like that, the bartender recalls, usually kept to himself and always paid in cash. But that night was different. The man and Derricka struck up a conversation. After Derricka picked up on something the man said and laughed in that sort of funny, sarcastic laugh of hers, with some intrigue, the man responded. But the bartender couldn't remember what the joke was or what had been said, just that it ended with the two patrons talking. O'Callaghan's interest was piqued. She oh, knew. She knew something I was up O'Callaghan, with this guy. I think O'Callaghan walked around with a pipe like Sherlock Holmes. The sh- Really? I don't know. It's 1976. She's like an intense Irish lady. Detective. Do Irish ladies smoke pipes? I don't know. Email us at cowardsfree@gmail.com. Yeah, Do Irish people, sm- girls, women smoke pipes? I mean, yeah. We're going to find out. 
A portrait of Derrick's assailant emerges. A figure with an imposing presence, short yet stout, yet those. So what? Like, he's, what? He's fat? <laughs> no, like he's. I think he's more of like stout. a brick, like kind of like a rectangle. Oh, a square. Yeah. A a square man. <laughs> okay. Or, or or I don't know trans. But apparently had very like care. piercing green eyes, and mm. a fedora hat. So oh. that sort of created this unforgettable image. Square with a hat. And piercing green eyes. SpongeBob. Does SpongeBob have green eyes? Why? Well, I mean, Photoshop, anything's possible. SpongeBob does not wear a fedora, dude. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, he barely wears pants half the time. Who wants to wear pants all any time? Anyway, okay. All right. All right. right. So we got a square with a hat. <laughs> I don't know that that's a fair... Okay, whatever. The man is described as a stoic enigma. His attire, a stark contract to the usual patrons, dressed in black leather jacket and jeans. Like oh. The, like the Fonz. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> oh, and one additional detail about this mystery man. He always drank Guinness and often left half of one behind for his last drink of the evening. Oh, O'Callahan. Mm-hmm. O'Callahan. She found Corey. Corey. Well, we don't know his name yet. Corey, Corey. Corey, Cade, Carter, something. Armed with this description and some other small details, O'Callahan wasted no time in seeking the assistance from a police artist. Hell no, she and didn't. They, she's unmasking evil at this point. Unmasking evil. She knows evil. what she's doing. I like it. I like that. The composite sketch was created with, uh, the, uh, with the best precision that they could get based on the description, capturing the essence of this mysterious man. The sketch was circulated in the neighborhoods and posted in pubs and gathering places, you know, throughout the town. O'Callaghan had hung her hat on the sketch. This man needed to be found and questioned. And finally, at last, a little glimmer of hope began to shine through the darkness that had started to shroud her investigation. Because this went on for quite a while. It did. It did. The, I mean, we're I, um, like, the we're dates like, were yeah. a little bit sketchy, but it, like it was definitely the better part of this year at this point. So probably six well, like, to eight months. We're like in like 77 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The breakthrough arrived when an older woman, Mrs. Mackay, marches into the police station, her voice unwavering as she insisted she'd spotted the man from the composite sketch at the Shamrock. Her eyes locked with O'Callaghan's. Hold on. What? So... First of all, you gotta love the Irish. You become like a Mrs. with no first name oh, after a certain of a certain point. age, yeah. And what's an old lady doing hanging out at the bar? She, well, answer my own question. She's Irish. No, actually, she's probably Scottish. Mackay's a Scottish name. Yeah, that's what I was saying. She's Scottish, and the Scots drink. So <laughs> I think the Irish so, do too. Yeah, <laughs> the Irish. It's all one big island. They're islands. They're come on. They're all the same. They're, so yeah. So. So an old Scottish lady, it's nineteen seventy six. Well, I also don't know how old she is because that I could that information was sixty five at that point. It's like nine hundred now, <laughs> and like she 70s. she like she like, but it's like nineties now, right? It's like being twenty years older than in the seventies to, okay. to now, and so this is like fifty years ago, and she like she goes and starts yelling. She's point. I know this man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she, she was. A, you know what, Mackay? Uh, it it actually has a meaning. I just looked it up. Oh, what does it mean? Uh, with a firm hand. There you go. So that <laughs> no, like seriously, that's like their like like their their crest or like yes. whatever you say. Yeah, their motto. Wow. So the Mackay motto is with a this old lady with a firm hand. 
Yeah. Blows in the police station. Mm-hmm. Hooks up with O'Callaghan. He's smoking the pipe. The <laughs> yeah, Sherlock Holmes I don't pipe. Know the pipe part, but yes. And she's like, hey. She locks eyes with her. Okay. I'm just telling you how I'm envisioning this thing, like, it. as the story is written. You got it. Yep. You got it. O'Callaghan now realizes that this woman, this Mrs. Mackay, could kind of change the course of the investigation. So she says, hey, why don't you accompany me to the, sh- to the Shamrock and you can tell me everything you know about this man. And maybe being, like, in that place will help you, like, jog your memory. So Mrs. Mackay agreed. They go to the... Hold on. I'm just going to read it the way it was written. Her eyes locked with O'Callaghan's. The gaze of a witness whose keen perception could change the course of an investigation. A seasoned investigator, O'Callaghan, invites the yelling, angry Scott woman to accompany her to the shamrock (laughs) so she could tell everything she knows about the man. Mm -hmm. Mackay agreed grudgingly. Oh, grudgingly. Yeah, that's how I wrote the story. I see. Okay. Well... Without any further hesitation. Nice. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> O'Callaghan and Mackay returned to the Shamrock. Uh, they had the composite sketch with them. O'Callaghan barely able to conceal her anticipation. Like, she's thinking, like, oh, my God, this guy's going to be here. She's a finisher. She's a doer. She's like, I'm going to finish she's this. She's a closer. Yeah. She's a closer. O- O'Callaghan's a closer. Right. So Mrs. Mackay demonstrated where the man usually sat. She talked about what he usually wore, the silly fedora on his so, head. No, the fedora was like... Tough. The, oh, okay. The brick. The, the fedora that sat on top of the brick, which is the man. <laughs> Got it. All right. When the two women approached the bar, the bartender welcomed them. Because, you know, by this point, the bartender knew O'Callaghan and certainly knew Mackay. And Mackay and the barkeep, um, they start talking about the man. Right? This mysterious man, this Corey Carter, whatever. They discuss his name, Corey Carter. No, wait, Mrs. Mackay said. It was Rory. Mackay knows all. Rory McGuffin. So Mrs. Mackay, now very proud of her ability to recall details, gave O'Callaghan enough to begin a search for this Rory McGuffin. I like it. Mm-hmm. So this old Scott woman who probably also drank Buchanan's or whatever old Scott women drink in Irish bars. Yeah. She broke the case. Yep. Wide open. Yeah. With Rory McGuffin now on the radar, O'Callaghan's resolve, like, intensified. Her determination was unwavering. She canvassed the neighborhood and local establishments looking for anyone who might have known or seen McGuffin recently. Then it happened. Sitting just across the street from O'Callaghan is Rory McGuffin. What? Yeah. The seasoned detective had tracked down the enigmatic figure... But confronting him proved a little bit challenging. McGuffin, as it turned out, didn't want to talk or do anything with O'Callaghan. So he resisted arrest. Even He actually tried to, like, punch her, yeah, fight he, her. he threw down. Mm-hmm, threw down. But O'Callaghan knew the town very well, and there was nowhere for McGuffin to go or to hide. He kind of settled down, knowing he was cornered. O'Callaghan... So she, like, chased him down? She threw the pipe out? She, like, like, threw it on the ground. she's like, it's on. Yep. All right, and this dude with his fedora starts running. Yep. 1976. He had... had I think it was probably 77 by now. Right, it was. It was. But maybe he had pork chops, like Elvis. Like one of the Belushi brothers. Oh, oh. Right. Right. I I was in a very different mindset. I'm not. 
I was like in a Peaky Blinders mindset. No, you said maybe he had razors on his hat. See? Yeah. I yeah. <clears throat> wow, we were in very different worlds there for a minute. Yeah, they're all the same. That's okay. It's okay. A lot of Guinness going around. A lot of Guinness going around. So O'Callaghan now had the difficult task of putting all the evidentiary pieces together to paint a picture for a jury or maybe even to get, you know, a confession. The crime scene unit eventually found one fingerprint, a thumbprint, actually, on a window in Derricka's apartment. It was assumed to be that of the killer. There had been no other, like, her fingerprints were the only ones in the apartment. That's why they assumed that was that of the killer. There had been witnesses that saw Derricka and MacGuffin walking together uh, towards Derricka's apartment. MacGuffin's profile with his little fedora was very clear. Can't get that wrong. Even in the darkness, right? Not to mention what it, kind of an odd pairing that the two made. Then the piece de resistance. When searching MacGuffin's flat, police found a ring that had belonged to Derricka. She never took it off. Mm-hmm. She never took it off. It was one of the only special sort of material items she had because she was not exactly like a materialistic kind of gal. It was her mother's that had been given to her by her father. He'd had it specially made for their 10th anniversary. When Derricka's uh, parents passed away, she received the ring, put it on, and never took it off. Not until that terrible day when MacGuffin took the ring and her life from her. All right. You know, they, you know, these serial killers have to collect things. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them do. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Good job, Rory. Yeah, Rory. The trial unfolded. Rory's cold-blooded demeanor sent chills through the courtroom, so people came from everywhere to see this case, right? It's 1976. I don't have anything to do. No, but they like, don't. They're bored. Like, what do they smoke weed and, like, do acid? I, I don't. No, 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 shrooms. Maybe. It's the 70s. It's the 70s. They're in Ireland. Let your mind wander. I don't know. Yeah. Unaffected by the gravity of his heinous act, he seemed to relish the fear and chaos he sowed. The heart of darkness that resided within him is laid bare for all to witness, leaving a haunting impression on those who encountered his gaze. Because he liked to look at people in the courtroom. Creepy. He's giving him the old stare down. Yeah. Now, did he have a fedora in the courtroom? I don't know. There aren't. Any, there actually aren't any courtroom pictures of him, which surprises <clears throat> me. I'm telling you, it's Ireland. That dude had a fedora on in the courtroom. Maybe. He maybe. did. He did. With Rory McGuffin behind bars, a chilling revelation emerges. There were more cases that were very similar to Derricka's, each bearing a striking resemblance to how Derricka's case unfolded, including the trademark half-pint of Guinness left behind as sort of an eerie calling card. Yeah. And also, always a precious piece of jewelry taken. Something small. Mm-hmm. Rory's heinous spree of violence cast a long shadow over the quaint city of Westport. I, I think it actually cast a shadow over that entire area of mm-hmm. Ireland. Yep. Yeah. Because he was convicted. Life in prison. The legacy of his darkness lingers, a haunting reminder that evil can lurk in the most unassuming places, and that the most adept criminals can be deceptively skilled at blending into society. We've talked about this many times before. He's been doing this for over a decade. This isn't Mm -hmm. like this isn't like the first, second, or third. This was Mm -mm. like a lot. So interestingly, he actually was only convicted of one murder. Because while he was in prison, bro didn't make it. 
he died. Really? Yep, before they could convict him of anything else. But it is they strongly, strongly believe that he has been involved in at least four to five other murders because the, the, the signature was the same. The Guinness. Yep, it was. So amidst uh, this really kind of chilling tale, Detective Inspector, there it is, see, Detective Inspector. Yep. Morgan O'Callaghan's unwavering pursuit of justice provided that glimmer of hope. She stood as the beacon of strength, right? The lady of the city. The lady of the city, proving that even the darkest of times, the relentless of efforts of a single determined soul can shed light on the shadows of guilt and bring justice, such as it is, to the victims who cry out for answers. And that is, in fact, your sentence. I loved it. Not bad, huh? It was perfect. So that's going to end our story for today. And note. I said story. It's not a case. It's not a Furious case. followers. So I hope we don't make you actually literally furious after this. But we have a Just little surprise. 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 Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go back for just a second. Coming up next weekend is one of our favorite events because, well, it's just fun. And it's worth the travel to It is there. worth the travel. The Dublin Irish Festival is about to kick off in what is truly and realistically a quaint and lovely town, Dublin, Ohio. As I think many of you have ascertained with your keen listening minds, we do live in Ohio. And heading over to Dublin for this festival is really fun, and we do it most years. So as an homage to one of our favorite things, we created this story, which is in fact a work of fiction. Charles and I collaborated on this little project as a fun nod to some of the things that we enjoy. True crime. Okay, this one's fiction, but it sounded like true crime. Storytelling and festivals, specifically the Dublin, Ohio Irish Festival. You can call this little episode a little green lie because, after all, the Irish ignore anything they can't drink or fight. So what's the harm in a little tall tale? Salancha. Salancha. Salancha.